All right, we are back again with another episode of The Right Direction, season two, episode two, which has been titled Stresses and Subjugates, because apparently when it comes to titling episodes, I know alliteration and I know nothing else. So we are here today with the author of The Subjugate and The Sensation, uh, Amanda Bridgman. Would you like to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I am obviously an Australian uh, science fiction author based here in Perth in Western Australia. Um, been writing now for ooh, coming up to 15 years um, in, a, in a serious sense. Uh, first book was um, published in 2012, 13, <laughs> got ahead of myself. <laughs> um, that was Aurora Darwin. Um, and so that sparked the Aurora series, which is seven books, and I'm currently writing the eighth book. And wow. obviously, we're here. <laughs> I know. Um, the good, the it's it was a little bit sneaky of me, really, but I'd written five novels before I got the publishing contract for the first book. So I was able to release the first five books quite quickly, which gave everyone the impression that I can really write. Just, just bash them out really quickly and, and it's yeah. no problem. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're quite big books as well, the Aurora series. And so people are like, oh, my God, you're releasing one every six months. It's great. And then it's ever since then it's kind of slowed down a bit. But, um, yes, so then the Salvation series, and I also have a standalone called The Time of the Stripes, um, which is an alien contact drama. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's it. I'm also um, getting back to my roots of screenwriting. I studied film and television at university and that, that was my first love. Um, and I kind of um, went away from it for a while and then um, had a bit of a detour with, with the novels. And, and now I'm finally coming back to, to screenwriting as well, but hope to continue on with the novels, of course. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And we will get back to the screenwriting thing in a minute. Cause I do have a couple of things I want to talk about that. Um, but before we do, I think you've you've got into an interesting topic of discussion with um, the perception of getting a book out and, and this idea that oh, I'll just smash one out in three months and I'll just type at the computer. And I think it's this idea that's peddled in TV and film that you just put the words down and they are just brilliant just from the get-go. Whereas in reality, it takes a lot more time um, to do these things. But I guess one of the things that I wanted to ask was what are, what are your processes for trying to make sure that you, you can utilize the time that you have to get these things done? Cause I have to say that one thing that I have found recently, and especially since lockdown happened is staying focused is harder. And I think it's because we actually, over that period, most people had more time on their hands but we were offered a lot more distractions. And so I've recently this week gone through a bit of a detox and I've deleted like all social media apps off my phone and everything and just trying to force myself to stay focused. But how do, how do you do that with so many distractions now? Um, it, is, it is very difficult. Um, I, I think it was last year I took off, I've still got the apps on my phone, but I took the notifications off. Yep. So I don't know if anyone's tweeted at me until I like open up Twitter to see. Um, so I found that helped because as soon as something pops up, you have a look at it 
because you, you just see it there and say, oh, what's that? So if, if I look at now, I've just learned to look at my phone. I can't see anything and I'm not, I'm less inclined to pick it up and go, oh, what's that? Because I can't see any notifications. Yep. Um, so that is a good thing. When I'm writing, I will put the phone in the other room completely so I can just focus on whatever I'm working on and hopefully find that, um, as, as Stephen King describes it, the hole in the page where you just fall through for, for hours. Um, but yeah, last year was very, very difficult. Um, and it was especially difficult for me because I'd worked so hard in 2019. Um, I did two novels and a short story. And one of the novels and, one, and the short story were both tie-in work. And I had to do a lot of research for both. One was a, the, the short story was for Warhammer. And so I had to do a lot of research to, to get up to speed with the world and, um, you know, to create the right characters. And the novel was Pandemic, which, so I wrote a novel about a pandemic before, a pand before the pandemic happened in 2020. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really busted my ass in 2019 and also wrote The Sensation. Um, and then in 2020, the pandemic broke out and the novel, the pandemic novel was pushed back and pushed back. Um, and I still don't have a release date for it at the moment, um, yeah. naturally. Well, I guess, I guess that makes it, you know, kind of a hard sell when people are living it. I mean, again, yeah. not that you knew about it while you were making it, but it, yeah, it does no. tend to make things difficult. Yeah. And I think as a writer, like, you obviously get paid for the projects, which is great, but when you spend like all that time on the, as a writer, you kind of want something to show for it. And oh like, yeah, absolutely. Out of all the work I did in 2019, the sensation is the only thing I had to show for it, oh. which, you know, is great. At least I had something, but. It's still yeah, a little so bit devastating. Happened. It is devastating. And the Warhammer novel got pushed back. It's, it's currently, I think, pegged for an anthology in April, 2022 or something. So that got pushed back. Um, and so that kind of, they were world circumstances, but you know, that kind of, I think it started to affect my writing confidence a bit because you can't help but start to question, oh my God, you know, is it, is it, is it me or is it these world circumstances? Yeah. Um, and, and then in September, my father passed away after a long illness. So that hit me quite hard as well. So for several months towards the end of the year last year, I pretty much did no writing whatsoever. I, I pretty much just laid on the couch and watched reality TV because that's well, all I could And muster. that's understandable. But I, I think that's an important point too that so much gets drilled into us about, well, the most successful writers, they sit down and for eight hours a day, they sit in front of a desk and they type yeah. away and that's it. But it's not necessarily the most helpful advice because, you know, a lot of people do have full-time work that they have to go to, or yeah. they have had terrible things that have happened and tragic events that, you know, when those things happen, they, you, they, they make you pause and reassess what's important. And at that point, you're not thinking, well, you know, it's really important that I get this chapter done. So like, I think yeah. it's important to let um, particularly new writers know that it's okay to take a step back. And it's healthy absolutely. if anything else. Yeah, absolutely. I just actually physically, I could just couldn't couldn't do anything. I just I just sitting on the couch and watching TV was all I could really muster. Um, and it was probably a little bit of burnout as well, to be fair. 
but I work four days a week in a day job as well, which, you know, I try to like let a lot of people know that, you know, especially like the Aurora fans who are eager for the next book and granted it's coming up to two years that they've been waiting. Um, but like, as I said, with the Aurora books, I had five written when I released the first one so I could release them quite quickly. And then by the time I got to book six, I, I was starting to publish other work. And so now I'm at the point where in the early days I was only managing the Aurora series, whereas now I'm managing the Salvation series, the Aurora series, um, a bunch of screenwriting work. I've got other novels out there. So um, in the process, so it's I'm juggling more projects. And so the time between releases within a series is getting a little bit longer and longer because it's just the, the the world of books that I'm juggling is taking longer. And, you know, things with the day job can change too. You know, the day job has become more demanding um, over the last couple of years. And so I'm just coming home, you know, the end of the night and I'm tired. And some nights I'll just, I'm really good now at acknowledging, you know what, I'm tired. I'm just going to watch some TV tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to have a night off. And that that is very important. You don't have to write every day. Um, you actually function way better if you've had rest and sleep. Then you can really hit the ground running the next day and do really, really good quality work. Well, that's something that I've found with what I've done recently is I would be like, if I woke up at three in the morning, I'd think, oh, I'll just have a quick look at my phone and see if someone's sent something or done something. And it was a really small thing. But if you've done that a couple of times in the night, you're exhausted. And so like constantly just letting, letting your brain percolate with all these ideas, it's, it's draining. And that's one thing I found that not having any notifications and sleeping properly and saying to myself, okay, I've done as much as I can do today. I want to get more done, but I need to acknowledge that I can't having that mindset has been way more productive. And the quality of stuff that I've been able to do has been way better too. So I, I think, yeah, you're right. It's a bit of a, a false economy to say, oh, you know, you should run yourself into the ground and just get as much work as you can done because you're really going to have to then go and and rework everything anyway. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's also important not to see, as a, as a writer, you're always looking for opportunities um, to, to expand your own knowledge and your horizons and, you know, to, to work in all different areas because I've always, I've always, my goal's always been to be a versatile writer, so not just writing novels, but writing short stories and screenplays and, you know, whatever tickles my fancy at the time. And so I'm always, you know, but, but with every new kind of um, area that you, you delve into, you, you are stretching yourself that little bit, you know, thinner across, across the work. So it's, it's careful. You have to be careful not to overcommit with things. Yeah. Because um, then some, suddenly you've got no time to do anything. <laughs> That's right. And I feel like, I, I don't know if it's the pandemic or if it's just, that's me personally, but I feel like we've, because people have been at home, we have been given a million different more distractions to, to keep us from getting this work done. And so that's why, um, you know, when I do different things, um, it's, it's difficult to, to kind of juggle them all. I've got this podcast, I've got a YouTube channel that I run. I try to do writing as well. I try to do all that stuff. And, and I think it's it's about accepting the limitations of that. Like I've I've said with this podcast that I'm going to keep it as one episode a month. Um, and I think the good part about that is we'll have 
quality interviews because I'm not going to be stressed about, oh, look, I've got to get on to the next the next interview now and yeah. I've got to, you know, so we'll have quality interviews where we get to really talk about, you know, what it means to be a writer and, and all those things, but it's just not, I don't know, I'm trying to articulate myself and failing miserably, but. No, um, no, 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 no. <laughs> but I, quality I think, over quantity. Yeah, that's right. I think it's the quality over quantity stuff. And that's why like I, I ended up removing it because originally I had weekly episodes and then I had a break over the Christmas period. Um, but that turned into like about three months. And I think that's applicable to writing too, that if you burn yourself out, there's a huge chance that you won't come back to it for months. And then you're kind of starting at yeah. square one because you've kind of fallen out of the habits of writing. Yep. Absolutely. And that's what happened to me with, with the end of last year. There was a good three months or so where I didn't. And I'm only feeling really, you know, we're in April that I'm just coming back to 100% now of back to my old working self. So, you know, I, I was kind of, you know, out there for a while where I just wasn't working to full speed at all. Yeah. No, and that's so, why. So yeah. Sorry. No, no. I was just going to say, so, yeah, so it, it takes, when you have a long break like that, it does take a while to get, you know, it's like if you're going to the gym all the time and then you stop going and you lose all that muscle mass and you've got to go back and you've got to build up that muscle mass again until you can lift what you used to be able to lift. Yeah, no, and that's and that's a perfect analogy because that's the thing. That's why I think to use that same analogy, I guess it's the difference between having a day off or having a cheat day with your working out and having three months off, like the difference yeah. between getting back into it. So it's, it's a very important um, distinction to make because you don't want to push yourself too hard, but you also don't want to give yourself too much slack because you'll have to start from zero again. Yeah, absolutely. Take the little breaks along the way so that you don't hit burnout and then need to take a long break, which puts you out. And like, as you were saying with your podcast, I used to do um, interviews on my blog with, with authors and I was, I was trying to do as many as I could, but I got to the same point too where it was just like it was really quite tiring when you're trying to churn them out quite regularly to, to make them be good quality, but also it eats time out of your writing and things like that. So I ended up giving, giving that away. But I think your decision to go to one a month is actually a really good one. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is too that aside from the fact of it, it's constantly worrying about getting the next thing out and that eats away at your writing time, which it absolutely does, it's, it also stops being fun. And I think as with anything, as with writing, as with creating videos on the internet, all these things, once you're not having fun, the people yep. consuming it won't have fun either. So it's, yep. it's important not to, to get to that burnout point. But um, one thing I did want to talk about, because I do find this process fascinating, but I know nothing about it, is the screenplay that you are writing is a pilot. And if I'm correct, it's a pilot based on the Salvation series. No. No. So I'm, I'm working on a few different um, screen projects at the moment. Um, the, I have a TV pilot written for The Time of the Stripes. Yep. And I have have a feature film written, which is an Australian comedy drama, which has been optioned by a producer. And that's just on hold at the moment because the producer's in pre-production and about to go into production on another film. So that's on hold. Yep. 
Um, the, the TV pilot I'm working on at the moment is for another producer um, who, who has written the TV pilot. And at this stage, I'm just doing a bit of a, a polish. So that's, that's kind of early days to see what happens there. Yep. Um, and what else? Oh, so I've written, I've written another couple of feature films that I'm, I'm still working on because they're in early drafts, but one is a romantic comedy set in Australia and one is an action thriller set in Australia. So, and I've, and I've written a couple of short films as well. So they're all still fairly in early stages. So I've kind of said to myself, I'm not allowed to write anything new until I polish these existing right. ones up. <laughs> that, that, that's a fair call. Um, but then, you know, I was about to say before when you were talking about the um, level of work that you can put in at one given time, I was going to say, well, you're not a machine, but now I'm not so sure because yeah. there's, there's a lot Basically, of work going into that. It is a lot of work going into it. And these ones have been written over like years yeah. Like it, it, it was a couple of years ago, I wrote the first draft of the action thriller and I haven't yet had time to come back to it. I've done like some, some plotting and planning and working on it, but I haven't actually written the next draft yet. So that's the kind of like gaps in between that I will have um, in projects. So from, from inception to the time I'm ready to go out to market with them, it, it can end up being, you know, a few years sometimes by the time you get get to that um some other things are quicker um i'm out now with a um novella trilogy that i'm waiting to hear back on which i may turn into a single novel um but again that was like submitted 12 months ago so i'm kind of i'm waiting to hear on that so that's the one thing new writers need to learn about the publishing industry the publishing industry takes a long time long time and the film industry can too but then with the film industry suddenly the big cruise ship that's chugging along slowly can suddenly turn into a speedboat and everything's going 100 miles an hour so um it's it's you know you put a lot of um irons in the fire wait to see what comes out and sometimes you know four things will come at you at the one time and it's like oh i want all of these things but yeah. i just but you've got to pick and choose. It's just timing. It's Murphy's law, you know? Yeah. Well, that brings me to another point. That's something that I like to ask every single guest on the podcast. And um, I forgot to do it at the start, but um, one thing I like to ask is we'll pick a specific um, book or a specific series. And well, it's, it's difficult because you've got a lot of books, whereas normally I'm dealing with a debut author um, but I think what we'll do is we'll pick the Salvation series and I'll ask from uh, sort of concept to publication, how long was that process and like what were the steps that you took? Because I think, and I say this every episode, but I think it is really important to drill into new writers that there is no one process. Like I've seen so many times people have advice saying it'll take you 10 years and it'll take you 15 years or, and sometimes it does take people that long, but sometimes people can get it within a couple of years or something. So I think it's just interesting to hear everyone's different stories. Yeah. um, So I had to go back and check my records as to how long it took from start to finish. I know it originally sort of came to me with the um, with the prison, with the Solemn Complex. That that 
was the kind of idea that first hit me and I just had a very clear vision almost as though watching it on screen of almost kind of like like kind of muted kind of autumn sepia kind of colours which sounds a bit odd but that's why I set it in autumn um, and so yeah just kind of started with the prison and I've always just been fascinated with the human brain and particularly like violent criminals and why they are the way they are um, always been fascinated um, certainly not in a good way but fascinated by no no but that morbid killers. curiosity I think I think yeah. we've all got that we're like what makes you mm. tick yeah what might what makes you do that <laughs> yeah and so um yeah and there was and there was I think there was links because I was thinking about this um I actually wrote a blog post on it too um about where the fascination for serial killers came from and there's been a few touches over over my life with like just sort of serial killers in the in the in a the same orbit with, you know, when um, well not necessarily just serial killers but violent killers. I grew up in Geraldton in Western Australia, and when I was in high school, there was a a horrific murder um, that people from WA would know called the Greneth murders, um, where a man killed a woman and her children, and that like totally rocked the town this this horrific thing that the cops said they would never release the information as to what they found it was so horrific yeah so that kind of you know in a teenage girl's mind kind of like really stuck with me yeah and then I moved to Perth for university and then we had the Claremont serial killer which was which was happening when I came down to un for university and the where I used to go get my groceries the girl who used to um be at my the checkout I'd always go to was Sarah Spears' sister, who was the first girl to go missing. And, you know, I just remember seeing her on the news with her family, like appealing for the whereabouts of her sister. And so that kind of struck me as a, as a university And student. I do think it hits on a different level if it's someone you know too. Like it, it, it yeah. really drives it home that it's real because when people see things on the TV all the time, they sort of think, oh, well, you know, it's happening. I mean, we care, but it's it's almost like there's a filter between yeah. us and them when it's someone that exactly. you know, it's, it's very, very real. Yeah. And then the Falconia murder, Murdoch, he, um, he's a Northampton boy. My father grew up in Northampton, so he knew Murdoch's parents. And so there was just all these things like, you know, really <laughs> drove home to me that these people are out there and they're real and, you know, yeah. it could be someone you know. So I guess that morbid, morbid kind of, fascination kind of happened started there um and yeah so I've just always been really interested in the human brain and so the 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 inspiration for the subject it kind of all sort of started from there and I'm look I love a good um cop show I love a cop story you know crime thrillers and um it was just natural that I was going to put a a female uh cop in there to have a to have a heroine and I actually um, was raised a Catholic. So I went to Catholic primary school and a Catholic all-girl high school. So the the kind of religious um, sort of element of the subjugate that sort of comes, you know, is, is drawn from my um, upbringing. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of all those ideas kind of melded together to form the subjugate. And then, 
you know, over time, I just, the way I tend to write stories is I tend to have the ideas, they just kind of float around in my mind for, for quite some time until I feel like I've got enough of the story worked out, at least all the key scenes. I know, I kind of know where I'm going and that's when I'll start to write. Oh, and as I write, I figure out how I'm going to get from one key scene to the next key scene as I write. And that's normally how the subplots form. So that's kind of my writing process. I can't remember how long it took. I don't think it took that long once I started writing because I was really, I was excited. To, I, I had done the Time of the Stripes by then, but so this was the second thing I was doing outside of the Aurora series. And I was kind of um, very keen to get into, to explore a new world and also to show to show readers that I'm not a one-trick pony. I can do other things outside the Aurora series. So, yeah, and then um, just got to the point where the agent pitched it to Angry Robot and they accepted it. So that's um, a very long answer for you. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love to hear it. And I love to hear about the the influences too and how how so many different facets of your life because we say write what you know and people think to go to the the obvious answers of oh well this is my job so I'll write a character who's doing my job but it, there's so much more that everyone's experienced in their lives that they can they can draw upon it can be a a single moment when mm. they experience something or it can be that you know you've had a, a catholic upbringing so that could that could tinge the story like it's it's really about diving deep into your own life experience and not just saying, oh, well, you know, I, I work as a, as a cleaner or something, so I'll write a story and the main character will be a cleaner. It's like, that's fine, but th- there's more to you than just that one thing. Like you want to try and dig out as much stuff as you can. Yeah, absolutely. You just sort of, you take a bit from here and a bit from there and you kind of meld, meld it into characters, form new characters. Um, I'm a bit of a people watcher. Um, I don't mean to be, but I just, I just, I watch I get people. It. <laughs> and I pick up that I like, I, I can talk to someone and then I can pick up their mannerisms. Like, or if I'm, if I'm talking to an Irish person, I'll find myself, I start talking with an Irish accent. <laughs> like I kind of, I really I'm not absorb- making fun of you, I promise. Oh, yeah, I'm not making fun of you. <laughs> and then, or like people's like habits, like do they bite their nails? Do they like um, constantly like adjust, adjust their watch when they're nervous? And I just notice lots of things like that about people and also just like the, the way people act and when I find out more about their life, I'm kind of like, okay, so that's why they are the way they are because we are all products of our upbringing, you know. So, um, yeah, so I find that... Um, really interesting. I think as a writer, you need to be a people watcher. You need to. Well, I was just about to say that. Yeah. I think that people watching needs to be something that a writer does, or at the very least, you need to be very conscious of your own movements because otherwise you're going to end up with, when you're describing what's happening to a character, you're going to end up with what's the name from 50 shades of gray, Anastasia Steele, where all she ever did was bite her lip. (laughs) You know, you've got to be that kind of like, okay, well, when I'm scared, what's what's an interesting, fresh way of, of saying that I'm scared. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And ev- and everyone has different reactions. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's about characterizing that specific, you know, that specific personality of the mm. character. So yeah, I think that people watching is absolutely something I would recommend that every writer do, just not in a creepy way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not in a creepy way, just a very subtle, just you know. Yeah. Everyone has a little, you know. 
Yeah. yeah just just be observant of everyone's little know. idiosyncrasies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so with the Salvation series, is that something when when you go into a series like this, is that something that you say, okay, I want to make X amounts of books based on this, or is that something that you say, I want to keep going with this until I've, I've had enough with it until I think it's time to end the series. I start out every book thinking I'm just going to do a standalone, but I just can't help it. It's just, it's just, (laughs) as I get to know the characters in the world, the story just expands in my mind and it naturally goes, it expands. And so about three quarters of the way writing the subjugate, I kind of had the, um, the key murder of the other um, homicide detective in book two sort of came about. And so I knew there was going to be book two and I just kind of thought, thought about how a series might look, but I definitely had the intention that I've said to myself, I'm never going to write a series as long as the Aurora series again, because so many other things pop up in life that you want to kind of try out and, and do that when you commit to something so long again yep. it's 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 a big commitment so um i've got two books left to write in the aurora series um and so with the salvation series i was determined i'm not going to go that long so i've i've planned four books yep um so that's what i'm intending to do but you know if the tv show goes into production and if, you know, if that goes gangbusters, you know, I could be, my, my arm could be bent to do a big couple more, you know? Well, I guess <laughs> the other thing with the Salvation series is, as you say, it's not as long. So having that as a long series isn't the same commitment as doing massive, massive, massive books in a series too. So, you know, never mm. say the, never. <laughs> never say never. Um, and the good thing about the Salvation series is it is a procedural. So you can... You know, I've, I've kind of got like a four book arc at the moment, but you could just do like after that, you could kind of just do standalones with new um, cases if you really wanted to without the commitment yeah. of, a, of, a, of a larger arc. With the Aurora series, though, um, it's, it kind of started off small, but by book four, it kind of blew open wide and became this, this big epic. And so that's the kind of series because it's definitely an ongoing kind of saga that you know you planted all these seeds now you have to make them pay off and it'll take as many books as it takes to pay off um logically um for the reader so it's yeah so it's very different with the with the salvation series being a procedural and the aurora series being a more of a saga yeah because i guess the the promises and the payoff that you're offering are more sort of contained within yeah. a much smaller scale. Yes, much, much smaller scale with the, with the individual cases that they do feed in the Salvation series, they do feed into the overarching arc, but it's still a much smaller world compared to the Aurora series, which is, you know, turning into a bit of a intergalactic war. So <laughs> it's, it's much bigger. Well, I think you raised an important point um, that I think a lot of people need to really think about when they're creating 
a story because obviously the thing that people instantly go to in their head is, oh, I'm going to make it a 20 book series and everyone's going to love it. And it's going to be amazing. Mm. Um, but I think, and I think Hollywood has played a role in this too, but I'll get to that in a second. Um, I think that people need to remember that they should take your approach. I think that even if it is intended as a series, I think you should look at it, look at the original book as a standalone book, because if you're not going to offer all the answers in the first book, you're not going to guarantee that you're actually going to get people into the the next ones, which you might want to leave a few dangling threads here and there, but you don't maybe want to leave it as cliffhangers. Cause I think to some of the biggest, you know, properties in, in traditional theater. Um, and well, I say traditional, but not really, but when we go back sort of like 40 years and you look at things like, Star Wars, the original Star Wars was a self-contained story and then they expanded it as it grew in popularity. Whereas I think if you look at movies and things that are made now, they go in with the expectation of, all right, this movie is going to launch off 25 other movies and then, and that's where I think people just become exhausted with it. So I think it is important when people start to set out writing to say, okay, I want this to be its own self-contained story, but with the possibility that I can expand from there. Yep, absolutely. Um, A lot of publishers these days are kind of looking for standalones because they have no idea if the book's going to take off. So if you go to them trying to pitch a five-book series, a lot of publishers are going to be like, "Mm," especially if you're an untested author, like if you're George R. Martin, yeah, sure. Yeah, although he hasn't he hasn't released one for for many many years so many years yeah 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 <laughs> probably but makes you, you feel really good his... about now doesn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> if you feel um uh yeah yeah if if you're someone of his caliber you stand a better chance though than yeah. if you're a brand new author um so yeah definitely my advice would be write even if you have a series in mind just write it as a standalone but if you allude to the fact that there's a bigger world there in the background that you can like extrapolate from, then I think that gives you the leeway that if you, if a, it's easier to sell to a publisher because you're saying, Oh, here's my standalone book. Um, But if you like it, you know, we can do more. And if the book does well, then you can say, Hey, here's, here's my pitch for book two. And then you can kind of grow from there. But um, publishing is so fickle though, that you really, you're almost doing it book, book to book. Anyway, even if you've planned a series, but the the flip side to that is that, you know, with self-publishing, even if a publisher decides not to proceed with your series, you can always still self-publish the other books and still still deliver to the readers who have been following you what they want. So, yeah, well, and that that is a valid point too. That um, don't don't completely discount the series. Obviously, that you know, oh well, they might not publish the next one you know, you, you can always find other avenues to get the story to the people. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's obviously a lot easier if it's all through the one channel, because if you do self-publish later books in the series, um, you still don't have the control over, you know, the first book in the series or whatever that the publisher's done. Like yeah. if you want to do run deals and stuff in order to, to pick up new readers, etc. So it can be tricky, but um, it, it can be done. Well, I suppose it becomes tricky then as, as an example, like if, if say the series was to be turned into, you know, a, a TV show or, or a movie or something, you've got then the, 
very difficult situation of saying, okay, well, books one through three are owned by this publisher and then I own four through seven or something like, you know, it's, it, mm. it, it could be a little bit of a minefield, but the, the option is still there, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and no, I think um, my advice, I think I, like, well, I used to write as a teenager. I used to, you know, write all the movies in my head as novels as a teenager. And, you know, I realised years and years later when I started writing again that I'd come full circle and, you know, I, I didn't start writing again until I was in my 30s. Um, and I think my advice would be, like, if you're a writer, especially a, a young writer, um, follow your dreams. If, if, you, if that's something you really want to do, follow your dreams, get back to writing and doing it. While you're young, while you're a little bit more carefree, while you're not bogged down with mortgages and all that sort of stuff, you know, it's... The world's kind of your oyster and, you know, trying to make up for lost time when you're older is a lot more difficult. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) So that's always my advice. Like I wish I had pursued it, but I kind of, by the time I finished university, I kind of, um, I thought, you know, there was a very, particularly in Perth, the, the film industry wasn't huge. And I kind of knew that only, you know, like the, the very cream of the crop ever got jobs. So I kind of just gave up and it wasn't until I moved to London years later and I started doing film and TV extra work that it kind of, you know, my passion for creating stories reignited. And, you know, I kind of kicked myself a little bit for all the lost time in between, but at the same time, I know it was me out there in the world getting life experience, which, you know, perhaps made me a better writer. But um, I think, yeah, just... If something you want to do, do it, but just be prepared for a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifices. But um, don't sit on your dreams because they're not going to go away. They're going to be they're going to be inside you. And the and just to finish off, I'd say that the way I look at it is that you know you can stand in a room facing a series of doors of all the things you're curious about. Now you can just stand there and stare at those doors and wonder for you for the rest of your life what is behind those doors. Or you can walk up, open one, and have a look through. And maybe what you find in there, you, you just end up deciding it's not for you. But that's cool. You can close that door and go, you know what? I've had a look in that one. I don't need to stare at that one anymore. And so I, that's the way I always look at it. You stop staring at the door, go open the door, have a look inside and see if it's for you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think that's a really good point too, that what you think it is might be different and if you don't check it out and find out, you could constantly sit there thinking, oh, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done this. And it might be something that you had zero interest in when you realized that you'd actually started with yep. it. So I think the other yep. thing that you mentioned that was really great was um, talking about the life experience side of things. Like some people, I know myself included, I in my 20s, sort of early 20s, I thought, oh, I'm going to write this amazing story and stuff like that. But I mean, I think if for nothing else, the the life experience that I've had between now and then would make me a better storyteller than, you know, anything that I had done at that time. So I think, yeah, it's it's important to get out there and follow your dreams. I think it's also important to acknowledge that you can't get everything done straight away. And sometimes it takes yep. living life <laughs> to, to yep, exactly. get a few themes for your book out there. 
Yep. And I, I, you know, it sound might sound a bit sort of airy fairy, but I, I very much believe in fate and and you know thing things will happen, you know, when they're supposed to happen, and you just you just keep charging on, follow the dream, and and it will be what it will be. Yep. No, I think that's that's a very important life lesson to learn, especially for writers. So. Thank you so much for, for joining us. This has been an, an amazing chat. I've have had so much fun. Um, Thank you. <laughs> and before we go, though, where can people find you if they wanted to ask you any more questions? Okay, so um, I'm on Twitter at Bridgman underscore books. Um, I'm also on Facebook as Amanda Bridgman. Um, um, also you can go to my website and there's a contact page you can ask me anything through there and that'll come through to me privately as an email um, but yeah I'm always I'm always happy to, to happy to answer questions awesome all right well thank you so much for joining us today on the right direction <laughs>